Welcome to the very first episode of Mage Hand High Five, your brand new third favorite RPG podcast. <laughs> I'm your dungeon master and co-host, Casey Pappas, he, him. And with me are our players. Robin Langenhop, they, them. Sarah McStay, they, them. Max Weinberg, he, him. We're a group of actors, writers, and friends using the structure of RPGs to explore genres that don't normally see the light of a tabletop. As GM, I'll present the world and the people and circumstances within it, and the other three players will venture through that world in character. For Campaign 1, we'll be using good old-fashioned D&D 5e. But if you're new to D&D, don't fret. You should be able to hop right into the story without knowing any of the mechanics. The nuts and bolts. The nuts and butts. What? <laughs> nuts and butts. Bye, bubbity boo. You want to the nuts and butts. We're going to tell you all about our butts. No, <laughs> we're not. And with that, oh God. let's delve into the world. The Badlands. A truly godforsaken place. You'd have to be crazy to leave the safety of three for its sands. Or maybe just desperate. But this desert wasteland is more than it appears. For some, the call is impossible to ignore. The call for adventure. The call for action. The call of freedom. Or perhaps the call of a past unforgotten. Or the most dangerous of them all. The call of the unknown. Legend has it that beneath this blighted earth, something truly powerful lies dormant, awaiting the lucky, or perhaps unlucky, gunslinger to uncover it. And let's hear a little bit about the characters. Hayden Kincaid, a.k.a. The Stranger. Once a lowly pickpocket, now a shape-shifting bounty hunter known across the Badlands for taking on a different face for every job. You may meet them as a sweet, innocent school child, or as the cantankerous town drunk. But three things will give them away. The sly smile, the iridescent feather in their hat of disguise, and their crossbow bolt piercing your heart. What brings them to the Badlands? That's Hayden's business and none of yours, friend. Few know their true name or true face. Best start running, sweetheart, because the stranger's on their way. Well, hi there, darling. Salome Briar was born and raised in the Badlands by a trio of traveling sisters, but she's been living the highfalutin life lately as a socialite in Threed. She never was as gifted a healer as her mama, God's rest her soul, but she carries on the family legacy as a paladin of the Briar sisters' healing tradition. Now, folks are always saying once you leave, you can't go home again, but Salome's headed back to the Badlands to see about all that for herself. Salome Briar, pleasure to make your acquaintance. Stump Steenling, former thief and expert in poisons. He left that life for a nice quiet one up in the mountains and he used his skills to become an apothecary. Earlier today, someone from Stump's past came by to give him a not so friendly hello and uh, instead of sticking around for the party, he decided to leave his wife and kid for their safety and set out to find whatever it is these people are looking for before they could find it. Are we ready to get this thing started? Absolutely not. No. I'm <laughs> let's, let's, okay. so excited. Too bad we're diving in. <laughs> to get into the, the nuts and butts uh, of this campaign. <laughs> night. Ooh. 
Stars glisten in the night sky like diamonds laid on black velvet. It's a clear night, and only the pines and farther out the Grand Iron Mountains serve to obscure it. Deep within these pines, at the foot of this range, lies the small town of Mountain Creek, a sleepy logging town. And up the single avenue of this town runs a small figure, desperate to be indoors. Stump, as a deep gnome, you've long overcome any fears of the dark you may have had. But on this night, as even the woods seem frozen in stillness, the darkness seems tangible, alive, as if at any moment it could reach out a hand and... You slam the door to your house closed behind you and pause, your heart in your throat. An oil lamp lights the small living room of the cabin, casting exaggerated shadows on its walls. In an armchair, now rising to her feet, is your wife, Kate. Stop, she says. Oh, thank goodness. You're home so late. I was concerned something had... Well, well you're here now. Um, uh, hi, uh, dear. Uh, don't be concerned. Um, I... Oh, I just... I was so worried. You, you, you stayed to lock up the apothecary, and uh, I don't know where you went. Oh, I, I was just, I was just working on some orders for tomorrow. You know, just uh, making some potions for everybody. But um, this is gonna be kind of um, uh, kind of a, a surprise. But I need to go. Go, go. What are you talking about? So, so you know how um, my. Uh, how before I came to to this town, you know, before I came here and before I met you, I did some things that I uh, you know, I was I I wasn't too too proud of necessarily. Yeah, but that but that's all behind you now. Uh, it, it 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 was, but uh, I need to, I got a visit from an old friend, and I think it would be better if I uh, if I uh, left for a little bit for both. Your safety and mine. Um. Okay. Oh, um. What What does this mean? Where 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 are you going to go? I I don't know exactly where I need to go, but I I I am just I'm very concerned that if I stay here, it's it's gonna it's gonna these people will come back for you, and uh, I think they're after this, and uh, I hold up take off from my neck uh, a really small silver pendant that I've had just on me for a very long time. Yeah, you show it to her. And uh, at that moment, you hear a small voice coming from the hallway that leads into the back rooms. Daddy. Hey, kid. In the doorway stands your daughter, um, Sally, a tiny, just tiny deep gnome, rubbing her eyes as she's extremely tired and she says daddy where have you been oh i'm uh, sorry I, I was i was at the store just uh finishing up some orders for some people um uh, making some extra stock because uh come come here kid she runs over to you i get i get down on a, on a knee on a her level and uh i say to her i need to go away for a little bit um i promise that i will be back don't you worry about it. Your mom is here. Everyone else is here. And I do have 
a little gift for you that I want to make sure you have. What? I want to make sure you have this uh, while I'm away in case in case you need it for whatever reason and your, your your mom or the neighbors will show you the best ways to use it. And uh, from kind of behind me, uh, like out of like, like a sheath, I pull out this really, really kind of ornate dagger. So it's like definitely child gnome sized. And I hand it to her and I say, don't, don't touch it. It's very sharp. And has a little extra boost in there and kind of looking at Kate, her mom, I, I kind of press a, a button and you see that like a poison discretes or excretes onto the, onto the, the blade. <laughs> <Sort of> shoots out. <laughs> no, onto like coats the blade. Oh, okay. And I say only in the most serious of circumstances are you ever to press this button. Do you understand that Sally? Yeah. And, she takes it. I don't know when I'm going to be back, but I will be back. And I will do my absolute best to write you and send you any cool rocks I find along the way. You all hug. You have your goodbyes. Stump, you pack the go bag you hoped you'd never use. You take one look or last look around the quaint, two small cottage you've called home for gods only know how long. And you steal yourself to run again. We move away from Mountain Creek. A few nights later and a few dozen miles to the far south lies the vast metropolis of Threed. The governing seat of the continent, Threed bustles in a gap of the Grand Iron Mountains, which stretch far to its north and to its south. To its east lays open sea, drawing trade from the island nations far away. And to the west, to the west lies the Badlands. But even Threed slumbers, and this night is no different. At this hour, only the least respectable businesses are still open. From one such establishment stumbles a man, late forties, with receding hair and a knack for singing off-key. He proves this as he saunters through the empty streets, lit only by the lampposts at street corners. But unseen by him... A shadow follows, down one street, then another, silently pursued until, by chance, he peers over his shoulder. A chill runs down his spine and he begins to run, faster than he's ever run. A stitch cramps his side, but he keeps running. He turns down an alley, but is greeted only by a brick wall. He turns frantically to face the approaching figure, and as they step into the light, the man is greeted by a splitting image of his own face. He falls to the ground, whimpering, managing only a whisper. Who? Who are you? I step into the light, holding the same face as his, and say, Stranger's gone by many names, friend, and held many faces, some even more scared than yours, but I have to say... Even I could not imitate that horrid singing that you were just doing now. Honestly, if you were not about to get meet some untimely situation <laughs> right here, I would say you need to get some lessons and fast. Dear Lord. <laughs> uh, roll intimidation. I would love to. First roll of the game. Mm. Oh, that's actually pretty low. That's a 15. Okay. 
Oh, so low. <laughs> I'm getting faces pretty here. good. Wow. Oh, no. oh, my character's so good. 15 so low. <laughs> um, I will say the DC for this is uh, five uh, because oh, he's just absolutely mortified. He just is out. You actually don't need to fight him. He just collapses uh, and passes out immediately. <laughs> As I look down at this unconscious body, I say, well, that was... Much easier than the last one. <laughs> and I just immediately release all of the tension from my body and just awkwardly try to finagle this this unconscious guy over my shoulder. I'm going, oh, what was the address? Uh, where am I supposed to take this thing? Oh, shit, 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 shit. And I'm looting, rooting around in my pockets trying to find a little slip of paper that says where I'm supposed to take him. It's like, oh, oh, yes, yes. I'm supposed to take him here. Night right. and day from the opposing figure of like two seconds before. <laughs> exactly. Um, incredible. Uh, yeah, you scoop up this body after a little bit of struggling and later on that night, uh, after collecting your bounty and getting ready to turn in for the night, uh, you walk up the steps to your apartment and that you share with an old friend. Uh, you're sure that she's long gone to bed at this point, and you fit the key into the lock and turn it and enter the apartment. Only to be greeted with chaos. All around you, things are ransacked. Drawers are upturned. Doors are open. You search the apartment. But Winona is gone. You grab your key once again, ready to tear the city apart to find her. And that's when you see it. A small piece of paper left on the counter near the door. You turn it over in your hands, revealing writing on the back. Winona's handwriting. Just one word. Echo. At least you now have a place to look. But Echo's across the Badlands, several train rides away. It'll take weeks to get there depending on the schedule, not to mention how much train tickets cost now. But there's nothing in the world that could keep you from Winona. You begin to pack your things. We move to Northern Threed. It's the dawn of the next day. In a rather luxurious apartment, a woman stands, applying her mascara in the mirror with trembling hands. The mixture slips, clatters into the sink. She exhales slowly, and then picks it back up. Salome, describe the woman you see in the mirror. Yeah, um, Salome looks both beautiful and expensive. Um, she is a sort of tall, willowy woman with strawberry blonde hair, kind of immaculately done into this very elaborate updo. Um, her nails are painted a soft pink. She is putting on this full face of makeup. Um, she wears a dusty rose-colored dress with a tightly laced corset. And the boning on the corset is made of mithril, which is sort of our answer to, like, mithril chainmail. She looks around for the earrings that she thinks she'll be able to sell for the most extra cash and decides on this sort of dangly set of diamonds that was a gift from her husband. And across her face is the look of a person who is like one minor inconvenience from just losing her entire grip on reality. Uh, like she's not doing well. <laughs> Great. What goes through your mind? Yeah, so as she's been getting ready, I think Salome's been 
uh, kind of meticulously avoiding eye contact with herself. And as she's putting on mascara, she kind of can't avoid it anymore. And she meets her own gaze for a second and is just like, okay, girl, well, you just did your mascara, so no more crying for today. And, uh, you know, given the circumstances, it actually looks pretty good. So I guess there's that. Um, <laughs> uh, you take cash from your secret stash, one that you've been building up for the last few years. You make a quick decision and take a rather showy saber from its hooks on the wall. Perhaps it's just for show, but it's still better than a manicured fist. You look around the apartment for one last time. For the last nine years, this has been your home. Feelings well up inside you. Anger at what was. Sadness at what wasn't. You steal yourself one more time with a deep breath and close the door on this life. It's mid-morning at Threed's Grand Continental Concourse, the largest railway station this side of the Badlands. Passengers bustle to and fro, hoping to catch a train to Foothold or Providence. Salome, down this main concourse, you walk through this crowd, railroad ticket in hand. Overhead, the arching cylindrical ceiling of glass shades little from the sun, which even in the outer edges of three can become dazzling. You scan the available tracks, hoping to find platform seven. As you scan, you spot platform one, where a group of shackled prisoners in black striped jumpsuits await to be boarded, presumably off to Fort Pentonance, far to the south. Hmm. The stories you've heard of that place. Salome! Oh, hell, um... I think Salome's looking away from wherever the voice is, and as soon as she hears her own name, she startles and then, like, forces a really bright, warm smile before turning around. Yeah, you turn, and fast approaching is a small elven man in a dusty purple suit and bowler hat. Do I recognize him? Uh, Yes, Uh, his name is Luther Wainwright. He's a family friend and, unfortunately... A chatty one. By Jove, is that Salome I spy? You're quite the sight for sore eyes on this early morning. Why, how are you, my dear? Luther, darling, it is... Oh, what a, what, what, what a surprise it is to see you here this, this morning. Well, I didn't mean to catch you by surprise. Uh, I just came in on the morning train from Providence. Had a little bit of business to settle up there. Afraid I'll have to be on the train right back there tomorrow to close out the deal, but... Enough about me. What are you here for? You waiting on a friend? Well, I'm actually I'm 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 waiting on a train. Um, but anyway, you know that that's fine. I I don't I don't want to just sit here and talk about myself. How's how's Mary Jane doing? Oh, Mary Jane is great. Uh, we're just you know we settled into that new house in the northern side of Three, and life couldn't be better. Oh, you know I hear it's just beautiful. I I can't wait to see it. You know, speaking of significant others, I. Uh, it seemed to notice that Thad's not around. Yeah, well, he, he um, I mean, you know as well as I do how much he hates trips out of the city, so I, I'm, I'm just going by myself this time around. Sure, sure. That's awfully interesting. i never known Thad to be the type to let his things go off and running, but... Oh, that's a very telling statement. My condolences to your wife. 
<laughs> well, uh, yes, I shouldn't keep you, uh, you being out of town for a bit. I guess I should pay a call on that uh, while the cat's away, you know. Why, why don't you go ahead and do that? I, I'm, I'm sure he'd. I'm sure he'd be very happy to see you. Um, anyway, Luther, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I actually have to get, I have to get going. Um, but of course, of course, wouldn't want to keep you from. Uh, uh, where, where'd you say you were going again? I, I, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I, I don't know how much you know about my family, but you know they, they travel around for work quite a lot. So I, I'm just going out to find them. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where they are. So ah, well, you know, best wishes on your journey, and uh, it's take care out there. It's. It's a dangerous place full of dangerous people. I think Salome's got like this sort of shaking hand on this cavalry saber that is at her side. And she says, all right, thank you so much, Luther. I, I, I will. And you tell Mary Jane I said hello. Uh, of course, of guilty. course. Toodles. And then he <laughs> turns take and <laughs> walks off up the platform. <laughs> Salome, you are left once again alone on this platform. What races through your mind? Oh, I think I just let out this sigh of like, <sighs> as soon as he leaves. Um, and I think the comment of him saying like, I've never known Thad to sort of let his thing sort of wander is, is sticking out for me. And I think I'm sort of struck with this awareness of how true that is and how true that has been. Um, and I think this well of just anger kind of comes up in her. And as soon as she's aware that no one is looking, I think she wrangles this really gorgeous, humongous diamond wedding ring off of her finger and just hucks it out over the platform. Um, Yeah. As it sails through the air, you watch it glimmer in the sun until it disappears over one of the railroad tracks into the dust and is gone. With that resolved, you strike forward. You find Platform 7. As you reach Car 3, you begin to board up the silver stairs, and you, as you board, you glance over to the right. A few cars down the line, as passengers board the train, you see workmen loading several crates into a storage car behind the engine. Next to it, a conductor argues heatedly with someone in a suit. Can I try to listen into what they're saying from where I am without missing the train? <laughs> uh, sure. It's a little loud on the platform. You hear the steam of other engines. You hear the hustle and bustle of, of passengers. In fact, one of them behind you tries to... Uh, tries to sort of awkwardly move past you to get onto the train. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, uh, quite all right. Quite all right. And he boards. <laughs> that literal you... duck that just walked past you. It's just a human duck like Aarakocra uh, walks onto the, board, onto the train. Waddles. <laughs> Do you try and edge closer to this conversation? Yeah, if I can sort of try to get a little closer without being perceived. Yeah, uh, roll stealth. Okay. <laughs> That's gonna be a six. Okay. Uh, yeah, you start to move closer, and as you do, you hear a snippet of the conversation. The conductor is sort of partway through a sentence saying, I already told you, I can't send this train out with this cargo. We're expecting. 
And the other man says, I'm expecting this train to make it out. This is an urgent shipment to Fort Braddock. If it doesn't make it out in time, it's going to cost not only Jameson Manufacturing, but the city of Threed itself hundreds of thousands. Do you want to be the one that halts that? As you get close, the man in the suit glances over and sort of gives a terse, see it done, and then turns and walks away. You board. As you walk in, you pass a three transit authority guard standing sort of as they do in each of the cars. There is sort of a guard stationed in each car. You pass him. You slide back the frosted glass door. And please find be empty. Please be empty. Please be empty. <laughs> that someone is already seated inside. Oh, okay. Hayden. Yes. What do you look like today? <laughs> I've got long red curly hair. Got a cute little button nose, freckles. I'm uh, corseted up a bit. I've got a nice brown duster. Of course, my um, my brown hat with the iridescent feather in the cap. And if there's anyone who might recognize the person that I'm looking for, mm. I look like her. So just in case someone might have a response to that. Mm. Okay. And as she comes in, I say, oh, no, 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 sweetie, sweetie, c come on in. I I won't say a word. I won't make a peep. I will we'll pay you no mind. Don't you worry about it. Come on. Come on and have a seat. Oh, that, 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 thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate it. And I kind of shuffle over and sit as far away from them as I can. You sit down and... There's sort of a silence within this compartment <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as the other people start to file into the other compartments as the train begins to fill. As um, there's conti there continues to be a lull and we're pretty sure that there isn't going to be another person coming into the compartment. I say, now, just out of curiosity and no answer is an acceptable answer. Running from something or running to something? Um... Little of both, sweetheart. Little of both. Uh, I, I like your corset. Oh, thank you. It's new. It has pockets. Uh, it doesn't actually have pockets. I just like saying, it has pockets. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? A corset with pockets would be real fun. I mean, I love a skirt with pockets, but if you had pockets in the corsets, it's just sort of pockets everywhere. You, could... you never know when you need more pockets. You never know. And you know what? The pockets are never deep enough. As soon as you... Have you ever gotten one of those pairs of pants where there's technically a pocket, but it's only deep enough to fit a single copper coin? Why do they even put it in there? And they've sewn it in to make it look like it's a deep pocket. And I swear, I mean, I have... My husband... My husband's pockets, you know, they're, they're so deep. And, 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 and every time I put on a skirt, it's like, it's like if there's a pocket at all, it's so shallow, you can't even put anything in it. Did, did something happen just there? Are you all right? What? Oh, everything's fine, darling. Uh-huh. As you say that, the train lurches forward, and you begin to pull away from the Grand Continental Concourse. A little while away, a mile or two outside of town, stump. You ride forward on your pony. In the distance, you see the half cylinder of Threed's Grand Continental Concourse. You hear the <laughs> of the train whistle, and your pulse quickens as you know 
you're running short on time. And then you hear the sound of a branch breaking behind you. You turn, and as you do, you hear a of an arrow whizzing past your ear. No, I'm so upset. And emerging from the trees behind you is a mounted rider on horseback with a crossbow in their hands. Uh, hey, 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 buddy, uh, to my pony, I'm like, we gotta get this, we gotta pick this up, we gotta get to that train as quickly as we possibly can, let's go, and I'm like kicking the horse to, you know, to pick it, to get it to gallop, the pony, sorry, the pony. Uh, roll a, <laughs> roll a persuasion check. <laughs> 18. You give it a, ha, and the pony sprints. Um, you hear the galloping of hooves behind you, and in the distance, coming out of one end of the cylinder of the Grand Continental, is the train that you were hoping to catch. Uh, does it look like I'll be able to catch up? If you if you hurry. I book it for the train. Full dash? Full full pony dash. Yeah, the train is not fully up to speed yet. It's sort of just like it's gathering momentum as it as it's going, and it's still sort of in that stage where it's still pulling out of the station. Do you glance over your shoulder at all? Um, I think I do because I'm not running, so I think if I turn around, it's not going to slow the pony down. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see just check how far away. Great. As you sort of glance over your shoulder, you see a blur. <laughs> whiz past your eyes as the assassin misses again. I'm going to shoot the assassin back. I'm going to... I'm gonna Do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay. going to... Roll. Okay. Roll first attack of the game. Ooh. 23. That is going to hit. Get his ass. Roll damage. <laughs> yes. Is this audible from inside the train? Get his ass. That's a great question. Not yet. We're spiritedly discussing pockets still. Oh yeah, uh, you're you're in the car talking about pockets, talking about whether more pockets should be added to corsets. Well, of course they should. I've never seen a corset with a pocket, <laughs> and now that you say it, it's honestly <laughs> ingenious. <laughs> oh my god! Before we resolve that stump, how much damage did you deal to this event? <laughs> Eleven. That last arrow pissed you off. Something awful. Do you mind doing this somewhere else? I'm trying to do something. <laughs> and as you call that out, you turn, level your crossbow, aim, and let loose <laughs> a bolt. The bolt flies true and strikes the assassin in the shoulder. They fire up another crossbow uh. bolt, and you, you don't even hear this one. It goes wide. The train is close now. As you dash alongside the compartments of this train, the dust is flying behind you. You hear the of the train beginning to pick up speed. You come level with the with one of the storage cars of the train, but then it begins to pick up speed and begins to start going past you. The very next car begins to arrive next to you and you see your opportunity to jump onto the train if you so wish. Oh yeah, I absolutely go and jump onto that train. Okay. Make an athletics check. Ooh. And if you fail, you just don't go on the adventure. You just die. At all. <laughs> you miss the you miss the stairs, hit the tracks and uh that's the end of stuff. Yeah, you roll a new character. 16. Oh good. Yeah. You <laughs> you rise up into the saddle. 
You hear another <laughs> as an arrow flies past. You take a deep breath and you take the plunge. You dive across the gap of open air between your pony and the car and you hit the stairs. Uh, you are able to just barely grab onto one of the railings and you pull yourself up and onto the car. You hear from behind you a, no! From the pony as you abandon it. <laughs> yeah, from the pony. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Jim. Um, <laughs> you glance behind you one last time. You see the pony sort of diverge off to the right and uh, run off into the grasslands to the north. Ooh. Oh, man. It's been a while since I've had to do something like that. <sighs> um, I'm going to just start looking for compartments to get into one that's the least occupied. <laughs> Salome and Hayden, as you sit here talking about pockets, the frosted glass door to your compartment opens and in walks the dustiest little deep gnome you've ever seen. Stump, describe the person who walks in. Yes, so uh, Stump is a middle-aged deep gnome, and he wears a, a pair of uh, beautiful leather gloves with like long cuffs that protect him as he handles these poisons and potions. Uh, you know, currently he has—he's in this like really dusty, hardy travel cloak, and he has chaps because you know he had just been riding his pony, Jim. Uh, at the moment, the only part of his face that is visible is his green eyes that look like they've seen some things, you know, and from the eyes down is covered in a black handkerchief and from his eyes up is covered in a black Stetson. You can see some salt and pepper, just a hair just poking out from the rim in the back. But most importantly is you are able to see a bandolier of vials along his chest. Uh, while a few of the vials are empty, several are filled with liquids and powders of a variety of colors. Were you inside the coal bin? What exactly happened? Oh, uh, I, I was, uh, I was getting chased and, uh, just, uh, I would really appreciate it if that could be our little secret, um... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get in here. Close the door. Thanks. Yeah, you, you seem, you seem out of breath, darling. You need some water or something. You, you. Oh uh, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine in, in just a little bit. I just, it's been a while since I've been chased. So, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad this isn't a constant occurrence. But you sure you're all right? Oh yeah, I, I, I think I got away. Um, you know, I, I'm here. They're not. So, uh, <laughs> I think we're good. I'm sorry. Could we, could we shut the door quickly? And if there's a lock on it, maybe you could just latch that as well. Can I uh, use my thieves' tools to, like, jam the lock? Oh. Yes. I will say or, that, yes, you can do that. However, it will be a higher DC for you to open it back up. I guess, or just lock it, maybe, in a way that we don't normally have access to. Yeah. Um, the compartments lock uh, just by, on their own. I've got this pretty big shield here if you want to stick something in the in the doorway, you know, kind of kind of mm. wedge it under the handle or something like that. Okay, yeah, well, let's do that. So I'll uh, click, I'll lock the door. Um, we'll shove. Uh, <laughs> you throw the tiny little, like, door latch of this, like, impressive click. compartment. Just like. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, shove Salome's uh, shield underneath the, the, like, the handle, if it's that kind of handle. And then pull the curtains. Okay, great. I pull a flask out of one of the many pockets that I apparently have. And I say, come on, uh, have a seat, have a drink, and tell us what crime we are now 
accomplices too. Oh, you're you're not an accomplice to any crime. I am on the receiving end of a crime. So Oh sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm being I've heard of that. Yeah, I am <laughs> I am the victim in this scenario. And we will tell the authorities that even if they question us separately. <laughs> Uh, uh, Listen, I mean, out, out here, really, it's, you know, your your business, so none of us have any business getting involved. I, I appreciate that. Um, Is your assailant on the train? Oh, I, I jumped onto the, I was on a pony and I jumped onto the train. All right, that might be the most impressive thing I've ever heard in my life. You said that offhandedly like that's a normal thing to do, but jumping off of a moving pony onto a moving train is actually kind of a feat of acrobatics. Are you a circus performer? Uh, no, I'm actually uh, an apothecary from a town way up in the mountains. Uh, of course you are, sweetie. Uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> sure, that absolutely checks out. Everything you're saying makes perfect sense. Absolutely you are. <laughs> I just start getting out a couple of... um. Uh, do I have cups? Yeah. Do well, I have cups? I mean, I probably the, don't. I well, let's well, just all no. Take here's two the thing: like the, those old timey flasks, like they have a little like metal cup that like goes over the cap, so you just pull it off and then just pour it into the cup. It could be one of those. Oh, sure. It's just an old timey Wild West thermos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Salome takes out like a very elaborate, like lacy, like handkerchief, and sort of wipes the rim of the cup, um, like a communion glass, and it's like, oh, here you go, darling. It was just a little dusty. I uh, I hold out an empty vial. <laughs> well, this is an interesting group. Uh, all right, here you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I, she just knocks it back, like, just <laughs> instantly. Like a shot. <laughs> what is this? Like, what, what am I drinking? What did I drink? <laughs> <laughs> Are you suggesting that I might be trying to poison you well i mean uh, you know, i mean i've just met you i just met you 30 seconds ago so i'm 100 percent gonna wait about 11 minutes and i'm gonna <laughs> analyze it and cast, see what happens detect, to salome detect oh no i was well, yes but i'm gonna de- uh, ritual cast detect poison <laughs> on it I genuinely have no problem with this, but I'm just going to be continuing to stare you down just to make you feel super uncomfortable about the fact that you don't trust me, <laughs> a random stranger. <laughs> the full 10 minutes, y'all oh, no. are just like staring daggers at each other across the compartment. It's <laughs> almost like, am I going to die? This, should I have been more more cognizant of the fact that that might have been poisoned? I was just real taken with their sincerity, and we had a real nice conversation about pockets, and now I... I'm just sort of like checking in to see how I'm feeling every couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, incredible. You all uh, talk away. Um, you are well on your way to your next stop. And the sun slowly rises into the sky. And as it does, you see the terrain outside change from grassland to the dry, dry sands of the Badlands. Stump and Hayden, you've not gone very far into the Badlands before. Um, What goes through your minds as you see sort of this just expanse of nothingness? Hayden is looking out over the desert and having having Hayden himself never been outside of Threed, but thinking about the stranger who probably has quite the reputation out here and just going 
I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can maintain this ruse for this long. Stump? So Stump kind of looks out over uh, the desert on his first journey out since going to Mountain Creek and just kind of is kind of reflecting on his last 20 years there and his family on Kate and Sally and is and is also just starting to get that itch again from when he was younger and was living his life as a thief and is getting a little excited for whatever this journey is he he's not looking as much to really you know hurt as many people as before but it's like thinking this could be fun Salome, you're on the other side of that coin. You've spent a long time in the Badlands. Yeah. What goes through your mind? I think as soon as the terrain starts to change, there's this overwhelming feeling of nostalgia um, that kind of hits where, like, the smells are different and the sights are different and, like, she just sort of starts recognizing these familiar things that she hasn't seen for, like, nine years and it starts to feel really good and really like home. And then it sort of pivots and mixes in with this dread of what might be ahead and thinking about the, the conversations that she had with her aunts leading up to coming out to Threed and how they warned her that it was such a bad idea. And like, I think there's this apprehension of what if they don't take me back when I get when I find them as you all ponder these things the train descends into a sort of ravine the sort of rushing canyon wall goes past you and it widens a little bit as you go so it's not just right next to the train but there are canyon walls on either side of the track now. All right. I Well, we've all been sitting here pensively, staring out the window, but I got to cut the tension here for just a little bit. You and I had a lovely conversation about pockets. It was wonderful. I never learned your name. You, you're covered in dirt, and you're running from someone who's trying to crime you. Who are you people? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm stumped. I am an apothecary. It's a pleasure to meet you both. Well, I, I guess my, my, my name's uh, Salome Briar. Salome Briar. Uh. In the silence here, Hayden has been frantically just trying to come up with any name to say to you all. And I'm going to roll a deception check to see if I actually do come up with one. <laughs> oh, no. That's a two. Um, <laughs> it comes out to a nine, but I still don't think I come up with anything. So I just say, uh, hi, I'm Hayden. Con- c- mm. Well, uh, I guess I'm Hayden then. Uh, Hayden Kincaid. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> uh, let's just hope for the sake of all this, all of us in this car, that we're out of danger for the present moment. Yeah. At that moment. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the train suddenly lurches. Yeah. You oh, hear no. a <laughs> as I don't the, think it's supposed to do that. As the brakes lock up and the train screeches down the tracks and all three of you lurch in your seats as the train 
slowly comes to a halt. I need to stop opening myself up to these ironic statements. Oh, this is... I don't think this is supposed to happen, and these canyons can get real dangerous. Did we even get out of the canyon? I don't mean to alarm anybody, but right before I got on this train, I, I heard... Well, I overheard the conductor having a pretty serious conversation with somebody in a suit. I, I think he was from the, the Jameson Company or something like that. Everyone's from the Jameson Company. Yeah, and they were talking about some cargo that was on the train that, that, that the conductor didn't want on the train because it was dangerous or something. And then the person from the company was saying that, that there was a very expensive shipment going out to Fort Braddock. Um, and actually, Casey, mm-hmm. I have a courtier background, um, which I can think sort of means I know like sort of the ins and outs of like uh, high rollers, social like government, circles. but also like social circles. Can I roll something to see if I would know anything about what might go in and out of Fort Braddock or any like oh, yeah. big roll a I'd say roll a history check. I'll say DC 10. Great. I'm not um, terrible at that. Since Brad- Fort Braddock is pretty well known. <gasps> I have a <gasps> no. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, I rolled a 10, but I have a minus two to history. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Devastating. Okay. You went on a oh, what if it was, what if it was there. Perce- what if it was perception? Because I would have just overheard it. I don't know these things. I just listen. Um, with an eight, uh, a 10 would have gotten you <laughs> Shit. most of what you needed. Um, with an eight, you know that Fort Braddock is deep in the Badlands. And you know that, like... It's a military installation, but that's about it. Like, you you don't know a whole lot more detail than that. Okay. Well, then I'll just say, um, anyway, there was some kind of strange shipment heading out to Fort Braddock, and it seemed to be military-related, and, and the train conductor seemed to have some serious reservations about bringing that kind of cargo on a passenger train, and so I think we might... I think we might be in danger is what I'm trying to say. You do hear the door outside get thrown back Mm. at that moment. And then you see through the frosted glass three shadows throw themselves past. And then from down the hall you hear a, hey, what? And then the sounds of a scuffle. Salome, how well is this shield going to hold? Well, I don't know about its function as a lock on a door, but I can say that I would really like to have my shield back right about now. So I take the shield (laughs) and, like, arm myself with it and grab the um, cavalry saber. Hayden holds up their heavy crossbow and says, let's gear up. Stump's going to grab a vial off of his chest. Stump, what do you think the odds are that any of the people chasing you would be able to stop a train in the middle of a canyon? Um, I think the chance hypothetically is pretty good but i don't think that it's them it could be them but i don't think it's because of me in any case i'd like to get the jump on them before they get the jump on us so let's get out there that ain't a bad idea i open the door no (laughs) (laughs) oh no i'm afraid (laughs) great you open the door uh do you all rush out into the hallway Yes. I peek around the door to the hallway as Hayden is rushing out the door into the hallway. <laughs> I stay in the room, but ready. Okay. Well, then everyone but Stump, I guess. <laughs> Hayden boldly <laughs> walks out reactions. into the hallway while Solomon and Stump cower inside. <laughs> no one follows me. Hayden, <laughs> you rush out into the hallway of this train car. At the 
far end of the train car. It's about the the train car is about forty five feet long. Uh, the hallway is about ten feet wide. At the other end of the train car is lying on the ground the guard that you saw upon entering. He's not doing well. Standing over him are two humans and a dwarf, each of them taking turns burying their pickaxes into his body. (laughs) They are dressed in overalls with bits and pieces of armor strapped to them. And as you run out into the hallway, the dwarf turns to look at you and says, get him! No, thank you! All of you, roll initiative. Oh, God. Okay. okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I hate this. I don't know what's happening. Stump, you might want to get out here. Stump, all you hear is, get him! <laughs> so, you know somebody's being got. I think I realize <laughs> in this moment that no one followed me out here, and I'm just like, uh, friends? You really went in there, guns blazing. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta- yeah. Okay. I thought that was the plan. All right, well, now we're in a fight. What's uh, happening out there? <laughs> Violence. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, Salome. Nine. <laughs> Nine. Hayden. 22. 22. And stop. <laughs> uh, that's a big old five. Five. <laughs> Great. First in the order is Hayden. You Believe it or not. These, Shocker. Each of these... Folks are brandishing a pickaxe. Uh, they are all bloodstained by this point. And the two humans have turned to start running towards you. Uh, Groovy. I'm going to pick the human that is closest <laughs> to reaching me. Uh, reach out my finger. Cast Hunter's Mark. Which uh, okay. I've not decided what this looks like when I cast Hunter's Mark. But uh, I think I just my eyes just zero in on the person and I concentrate, and it's like that moment in any Western (laughs) where I just like sudden zoom in on my eyes. You don't see any like magical casting going on. bars across the top the bottom. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You see like leaves blowing on the breeze. A lone tumbleweed. (laughs) (laughs) Inside the train car. Somehow inside the train. Absolutely. That happens every time. (laughs) But I hold up my crossbow and I say, sorry, friend, you die first. And I, I attack and I really hope this actually does some damage. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> After all Don't that. you dare. That will be a 15 to hit. The 15 is going to do it. Roll some damage. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. That is uh, 14 damage on my first attack. And uh, because I am a Gloomstalker Ranger, I get to take an extra attack on the first round of combat. Oh, man. Okay, go for it. Get it. <laughs> That's a 21 to hit. That will do it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was actually uh, 19 on the first one because I forgot my extra Hunter's Mark damage. Oh, my God. And on God. the second one. <laughs> oh, okay. And that's only six damage on the second I hit. <laughs> Hayden, you just want to handle this? or What's going on out there? <laughs> I mean, hey, apparently hey. I'm just handling it since I'm the only one out here. Stump, you want to go back inside and have a drink? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Hayden, you aim your crossbow bolt, let it fly, 
And as this human runs towards you, it the arrow sticks him right at the base of his throat, and he collapses. Oh my god. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to do on your turn? No, I just, uh, I hold out my hand that's not holding the crossbow out and just give a little come hither motion, like, who wants to dance now? They keep coming. Like, they are undaunted by the fall of their friend. Shit, I really thought that would work. That's spooky. <laughs> Anything else? Um, <laughs> I try to hide the terror in my eyes when they keep running toward me. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I, won't, I won't make you I roll a deception roll for that. <laughs> this always works. <laughs> <laughs> Next in the order was going to be that human, but he dropped. So after Sorry. that is going to be Salome. At a nine? At a nine. Everyone rolled pretty poorly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll fully get into the into the room um and step go in ahead of Hayden. Am I able to reach anyone for like melee range? E, not yet, because the other two haven't taken their turn yet. They have not crossed the forty five or any of the forty five feet. Oh. Okay. So if I can't get to them or if I, I can't get to them without doing a full dash action, I will do a full dash action up and just engage somebody in, start to engage somebody in combat. And as I do, oh, well, who's the closest to me? The other human or the dwarf? I'd say the the other human, just because I th I think because the dwarf was facing you, the two humans were on the other sides with their backs to you. So they turned right. to start fighting you. Okay, so I will run up to the dwarf. Um, and as I do, I'll just say, what are y'all doing on this train? He... He doesn't respond. He just, he has this crazy look in his eye. Like he's just, he might not even be comprehending what you're saying right now. Wow. Okay. Great. So I just get ready to fight him. Okay. Great. Uh, next in the order is that human. Since you ran towards them, the human is going to turn to attack you. That's a 14 to hit. I get the feeling doesn't it's hit. not going to hit. Nah. Does no, not. it doesn't. Great. Ooh, the voting on this corset is strong. It might not have pockets, but it's good. <laughs> That's some serious yeah. craftsmanship. He swings wide with the pickaxe and just it it sort of veers off course and doesn't get you. <laughs> so that's going to be his turn. Next is going to be Stump. Hey, everybody out there. Do you, do you need any help or you got it? Stump. <laughs> I mean, so far we got it. I mean, we might have it, but you might as well come help. I mean, come on. Okay. Yeah, so Stump is gonna kind of peek out around, just take a step out of the room and just shoot the human, I guess, with uh, his crossbow, his magic crossbow. Uh, 14. That is not going to do it. The crossbow bolt soars past him and he doesn't register it as he keeps trying to swing on Solomon. I'm gonna head back into the room now. <laughs> <laughs> what? Stump. I, yeah. <laughs> like, leans out the door, fires off a crossbow bolt, misses, and then ducks right back inside. From inside the room, he just goes, it's called strategy, kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is a strategy? Successfully hitting your target. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Shots fired. Literally. But only Shots some Shots fired. They got you on that one. Uh, next in the order is going to be the dwarf. So that uh, the dwarf is going to swing on Salome. That is going to be a 20 to hit. That'll hit. An unnatural 20. And that is going to be three points of piercing damage. It's a, it's a little blow. He just sort of, he gets, your, he gets you in the shoulder just a little bit. 
honey, you didn't have to do that. You just had a small bug on your shoulder. You know, I think you, <laughs> I think you might have got a knot out that's been in there for a few years. He says, Ooh. "Hey, I'm doing my best. Goddamn." You know, thank you. That's your best. <laughs> Next to the order is Hayden. Lovely. I'm gonna take out this damn dwarf. Do it. Roll some. Uh, roll some attack. I'm slightly less impressive on the second round of combat, but let's see how this goes. That's only a twelve to hit. That is not going to do. No, it's not. But I will move my hunter's mark onto the dwarf for okay. future ouchies. What does Stump hear as Hayden misses from the inside of the room? I don't want to hear it. Hayden, I won't tell him you missed. <laughs> so- Salome whispers from across the train car. I won't. Yeah, it's so loud. I won't tell him you missed. I'm Stump d- definitely hears it. I'm just trying to stare straight ahead and just go like, ha ha, take that. <laughs> not lo- doing my darndest to not look over at Stump. Didn't sound like a hit to me. You don't know what a hit sounds like. Great. I've been hitting things since before you were born, kid. You've been getting hit. <laughs> Stump fucks. Chaos. <laughs> Salome, who are you attacking? I'm gonna attack the human that hit me. Great. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna attack with <clears throat> I'm gonna attack with Boom and Blade. Ooh, uh, okay. Oh, shit. Oh, uh, that's gonna be a 13 to hit. That is not going to do it. Okay. Can I do some kind of insight check or something? Will you let me as a as a bonus action just to see like what's hap- like what's ha- seems to be happening here, like why they're not registering yeah. Yeah, roll uh, communication. Okay. Oh my god. Well, I rolled a two and I have a plus three to insight. Uh with the five. <laughs> so insightful. Oh boy. You don't get much with a five. But I'll say, like, even with a five, they just seem undeterred. Like, they are not afraid mm. at all. It's almost a little unnerving. Does it give it off any sort of charm or enchantment vibe? Roll Arcana. That's not my strong suit. Oh, I'm sorry, kid. Do you need some help with magic? Actually, that's an 18, so apparently Ooh, I'm okay. good. You have, uh, you've had dealings with sort of the shady undercity of Threed, and you know that that charms happen and there there seems like there might be something more at play here just from their mannerisms and from the effects of people who are charmed charmed people do not think about the actions they take they just take them you know what charms happen next in the order is the human the human is going to swing on Salome all right that is going to be an 11 to hit, so that is not going to do it. After that is stump. How far away are the human and the dwarf from the, the door that I'm standing in? Uh, the entire length of the car is 45 feet, so I will say that they're probably at around the 40-foot mark. Great. I'm going to run 30 feet out, and then I'm going to lob a vial from my chest at the human and cast the uh, poison spray cantrip. <laughs> there you go. Which my, uh, so I'm, I'm a, I'm an apothecarist artificer, which is a homebrew class we'll talk about in the preview. And it lets me substitute a poison I know how to create for my poison spray cantrip. So I'll be essentially throwing up assassin's blood at this guy. Ooh, Ooh. that's good stuff. Ouchie. Cool. So he has to make a DC 14 constitution saving throw. Okay, let's roll that. Nope. Get his ass. 
Amazing. Oh, his ass is going to get got. His ass is getting got. <laughs> oh, my. Right here? In the middle of the train car? Oh, man. Uh, so that's going to be 10 poison damage and okay. is also poisoned for the next 24 hours. Great. I don't think he's going to live to see the effects of that potion. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he's going to be around for very long. <laughs> Great. So with poison... He has disadvantage on skill checks and attack throws. Uh, ability, yeah, ability checks and attacks. Okay, great. Anything else that you do? That's all I got. Thank you, Stump. <laughs> Next in the order is the dwarf. The dwarf is going to attack you again, Salome. All right. Oh. That is another unnatural twenty to hit. Wow. Oh well, you Look know. Look at him go. That one's going to be nine points of piercing damage. Ooh, um, sweetie, hmm. you doing all right up there? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, <laughs> I think. I think Salome is so uh, just like pissed off that that these people have just come on and like started murdering people. And as soon as she feels like a little bit more damage, uh, she just looks at the dwarf and says, listen, I've been gone from my family for nine years and I sure as shit ain't going to be kept from them on account of you. And I'm going to cast Hellish Rebuke. Oh, okay. Um, so that'll be uh, two D oh, a deck save DC 13. Okay. And if they fail, it'll be 2d10 fire damage. Uh, he does indeedy. He fails? Yep. Yeah, that's gonna be nine damage right back to you. Fantastic. So he <laughs> is, swings his pickaxe around and gets you on the side. But as he does, you lay your hand on his wrist and these flames just encase your entire arm and shoot down your arm and up his, scorching his the whole way up. I don't think I meant to do it like that. Like, I just think I meant to, like, shove him away, and I didn't know I could do that. So I think she's just like, ooh. <laughs> and your outfit's not even singed. I mean, I mean, look, this dress is holding up real well. I'm not going to lie to you, but I don't seriously, know what was. You know, I need to know the name of your tailor. <laughs> uh, top of the order is Hayden. I think that just from sheer confusion and excitement over whatever just happened with that fire, Hayden is solely focused on the dwarf, who, you know, is also... Hunter's marked, so let's go to town on that one. Okay. That is a 22 to hit. That will hit. It better. 14 damage. You <laughs> shoot your crossbow bolt, it flies across, the dwarf spins from the impact of the arrow, and collapses as well. Groovy. Hayden, you're just knocking him down. I mean, I would like to not get murdered today. It was not in my plan. Yeah. And then bonus action, another zoom in on my eyes and I look at the human. Like, only one left, friend. Drop your weapon if you don't want to get dead. He just, he keeps swinging. Uh, next in the order is Salome. I'm going to take one more attack with Booming Blade and hope this is works this time. Oh, that's better. Uh, that is going to be... 22 damage, or 22 to hit, 22 to hit. 22 to hit, yeah. All right. <laughs> that is eight plus an extra two for dueling, so that's 10 damage to uh, the guy with my longsword. Ooh, okay. You bring down your longsword, give him a grievous slash across his chest, and he is on death's door, but is hanging in there by a thread. Question, mm -hmm. is it too late to throw a smite on there? Just a little baby smite. Just a little. Just, just a like little, a, mm, just let's a throw a little smite on there. Just, just a, little a little flavor. Bite. Let's just get some smite one. going. It is your first combat, so I will allow it once. <laughs> just this but one. from now on, Ooh. you got to name your smite beforehand. Gary. Okay, that's fair. Gary. That, I, I can, I respect it. I can, I can wait 
No, if he's just hanging on by a thread, I'll just let Hayden finish him off. Okay. <laughs> what am I? What am I? What? Yeah, you keep missing. I'm just Stuff's saying. Hayden, gonna... <laughs> Hayden could pull off a whole hat trick. Well, I'm up next, so we'll see what happens. I don't know, that value through, whatever that was, it went very well. So just keep doing that thing, and I'm on board. <laughs> Next in the order, is that human? Uh, Salome, how much health do you have? Um, I have 15 <laughs> right now. <laughs> but okay. if he moves, he's going to take some damage. He's he's not going to move. He's just going to he's, he's gonna try and wail on you. All right. That is going to be a 12, so that is not going to do it. He brings his pickaxe down. He misses. And as he does, he says, it doesn't matter anyway. He'll just bring us back. Who? Stump, it is your turn. This is an um, important question. Stump's Answer it. <laughs> Stump's going to ignore that question because he's so caught up in this fight and showing up these kids. is going to... <laughs> these little babies. Um, <laughs> Children. <laughs> These 30-year-old children. So, <laughs> so I'm going to do a no-look pass with another vial, poison spray vial and stare directly at Hayden as I throw the vial at the human. I've never wanted a fellow player to miss more than right now. <laughs> Roll that attack throw. Uh, it's a constitution save. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Let's do it. That's a failure. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Yeah, so Stump kind of like full on like LeBron James, John Stockton just like looks square at Hayden and then throws the vial in the other direction for two damage. The, the exact amount. Uh, perfect. The dice tell the story. The guy swings on Salome, misses, says, doesn't matter. He'll just bring us back anyway. Salome, you look at him and go, what does that mean? <laughs> and before he can say anything, this vial of poison enters the frame and just smashes across his face, <laughs> killing him instantly. I don't even think it was the poison. I think it was the glass. Hayden just uh, does a polite golf clap. Just wonderful. Well done. Truly amazing. Remind me not to get on the wrong side of either of you. You are out of initiative. But all of you make perception checks. That's a whopping six for Hayden. A, a whopping yeah, a six? Four. A, a four. Stump got a 16. Perfect. Whew, Stump. Someone had to. You hear screams coming from outside the train car. Uh, Yeah, so we got to go get those screams. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I've got a bit of an idea. It might be a terrible idea, but I'm going to go for it. And... Uh, Hayden closes their eyes, and the iridescent feather in their cap starts to shimmer and glow. And before your eyes, they change head to toe. The hat turns into a cute little officious um, part of a train attendant's uniform. And this man that you have never seen before and probably will never see is standing before you and says... All right, let's head outside. Uh, speaking of hat tricks, that's a good one. Yep, and no time to explain it. Let's skedaddle. All right. Let's do it. And I just head right for the door and swing it open. So you exit the train. In front of you is the canyon wall about 30 feet away. To your left, down the train, you see that from the top of the canyon wall, boulders have blocked the train's path. Mm. 
That's unfortunate. Yeah. In front of that, however, a couple cars down, is the cargo car. And you see multiple, for lack of a better word, raiders are removing items from the cargo car and throwing them into the back of a cart. This cart is being pulled by four hyena dons, or giant hyenas. Oh, that's cool. There is one human with a sword strapped to each hand leading Mm. the charge. He turns. You see a guard run from the train, sword up to try and strike this berserker. The berserker ducks under the sword and brings up his two swords, slashing this guard from underneath and killing him in one blow. As he turns, the guard drops behind him and the berserker sees the three of you. He holds up a sword and two gnolls split off from the raiding party and run towards you. So this is a bipedal hyena versus the all fours ones that are pulling the cart. Yeah, a knoll is a uh, a hyena person. So most of their body is human-like, but their head is of a hyena. You see they are standing on sort of these double-jointed canine-like legs. Uh, their upper torso is humanoid with hands mm. and leading up to their hyena-like head is sort of a mane of shaggy fur coming off of a thickly muscled neck atop the body. <laughs> coming coming, coming off a muscled thick neck. neck. <laughs> like, a, like a hyena neck. How thick? How oh, thick is this? Like a, like this a hyena, neck. like a dog's neck, you know? All right. Hayden holds up their hands and says, Hey there, friends. I'm Carl. I'm from guest relations for the train. I'm sure that we can sort everything out here. Why don't we just sit down, have a little tea, and chat this out? What do you say? <laughs> one of the one of the gnolls shouts, "Kill the conductor!" Oh, <coughs> all right. That's not the reaction I was hoping for. So I'm gonna do some old-fashioned diplomacy, and I pull out the crossbow. <laughs> this didn't really work. Uh, I'm sorry. Listen, I mean, it's worth a shot. Literally, it was a very quick shot. <laughs> I will keep your initiative rolls from last time and just roll these new three into the mix. Now, Casey. Yes? Does this count as a new combat for us? You know the answer that I want you to give. <laughs> yes, it does. Give me my bonuses. Yeah. Yes. There was a whole attempt at diplomacy before before the fight yeah. even started. All right. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Carl. Yes. Carl from Human Guest Relations is all ready to go Carl, here. Carl from HR. Carl from, the, Carl the, from HR. Carl from HR at the Jameson Company. Carl from HR is going to be showing up throughout this campaign, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> so am I starting us off here? Absolutely. Uh, nobody rolled above a 22. All right. I'm going to bonus action and move my hunter's mark to uh, one of the hyena dons. Um, I'm hoping I can, you know, take them out and make sure this cart doesn't actually go anywhere. Um, So I'm going to fire at one of the hyena dons. Come on, Carl. Show them how they do it in human resources. (laughs) Human relations. Oh, human relations. Sorry about that. That is a 23 to hit. (laughs) That is going to hit. Roll some damage. Will do. They got real stringent about their PTO policies. (laughs) That is 19 damage. And because it's the first round, I get to attack again. (laughs) That is another 23 to hit. 
And this one will be <laughs> nine more damage. So that was 19 plus nine. Whew. Yep. 28. You fire this crossbow bolt. It zings through the combat and hits this hyena Don in the side. As you do that, you see a weird creature round the cart. It has the body of a horse, a long bifurcated tail, the head of a badger, and the face of a human male. No thanks. How's its neck? Its <laughs> neck is thick, dude. <laughs> it rounds the cart, it sees the hyena don yelp in pain, and you see it make a decision in its mind. It turns and says, go, go, go. The raiders begin jumping into the cart. Oh no. As it says, go, you see in its mouth, instead of teeth, is a ridge of bone. Ooh. Is it pointy? Like as the bone ridge pointy? Yes. Like, I'm gonna go like, out on a limb like and scissors. say that no sentence that begins with, instead of teeth, <laughs> is ever gonna end well. <laughs> I never want to hear a sentence that begins that way again. Instead of teeth, some M&Ms. Instead of teeth, it has eyes. <laughs> so, uh, Either way, it's spooky. <laughs> Next in the order is the Berserker. The Berserker is going to rush towards you. Well, Hayden, he just saw you attack the Hyena Don, so he's going to try and strike at you. Yeah, figured. So he's going to roll. That is going to be a 19 to hit. That'll hit me. Uh, eight points of slashing damage. I don't like that. And then he's going to attack with his other sword. Mm. And that is a 14. That does not hit. Okay. So he slashes down with one sword and catches you in uh, and catches you in the side, but then swings down with his other and you duck under it just in time. Oh, that was a close call. Next in the order is one of the gnolls. That knoll is going to rush at you, Salome, and is not going to hit you. All right. <laughs> After that is you, Salome. Y'all are supposed to get going. Look, your your guy said go. Go and get. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, am I close enough to the berserker to attack him? Yes. I'll say that if you do, you take an opportunity attack uh, from the knoll. I just want to get the berserker off of Hayden, really, um, or like help out maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll take the opportunity attack. Okay. Uh, that is a 17. Doesn't hit. There we go. All right, I'm gonna run after Hayden. Must be nice. <laughs> it is, it's good, to have, it's good to have high AC. <laughs> I'm gonna run toward the berserker and attack him. Okay. Ooh, uh, that is, I don't know, maybe. Uh, it's gonna be a 17 to hit. That is going to hit. Oh, with booming blade. Okay, so if he moves, he's gonna take some damage. Uh, okay. I'm also going to tack on a smite onto that, a divine smite onto that. Okay. Um, so that's going to be 3d8 plus 7 with dueling. Ooh, um, ooh, love rolling a whole bunch of dice. <laughs> 22 damage. Jesus. Good hit. <laughs> so I think, I think when Salome smites... Uh, her holy symbol is this jar of uh, like rose petals, salt, and a little piece of paper inside. And it's kind of wrapped all around in these wild rose briars. Uh, so when she goes to smite, mm. I think wild roses like grow up and into the wound that she made and start 
festering into it and exacerbating it. Uh, like these vines, flowers, and thorns and everything start just pulling apart the wound that she just made with the sword. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's these, like real bloody these, and gross. You bring down your sword and it's like the thorns switch from your from your blade to the wound and just start sort of pulling it open. Yeah. Real nasty. <laughs> gross. Yeah. That's really gross and I'm really into it. <laughs> the, the berserker's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, next in the order is the other knoll. That knoll is going to run at you, Stump. Oh, just to get great. You, just, to, just to get you into this. <laughs> great. You felt left Love out. It. They, don't, they don't have to. <laughs> that's going to be that's gonna be a 16 to hit. Yeah, that hits. That is going to be nine points of slashing. I'll allow it. <laughs> but just this once. Just this time. Great. And that's his turn. Stump, it's your turn. Yeah, so I'm gonna uh, grab a vial of poison and just kind of take off the stopper and poison spray by just throwing the insides of the vial onto the knoll that just attacked me. Great. Yeah, you turn, you slosh it, and as soon as it hits skin, you just hear as it begins eating at the flesh underneath. Stump, didn't you say you were some kind of healer? Uh, I, I, I heal things and I unheal things. Emphasis on the unhealing at this point. <laughs> Does it do any damage? Yeah. Uh, how much damage a, do you do? It's got to make a constitution oh, saving throw. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he fails. Okay, great. I can't roll a throw to save my life today. No one's upset about that. Um, six and is poisoned. Six. Okay. Uh, he's not looking bloody, but he's looking like that sucks. <laughs> Hayden, your turn. Do we have any idea what they're actually loading onto this card? Uh, make an investigation check. Sure. And I'll say with disadvantage because... I'm in active combat? You're currently getting <laughs> beat up by a berserker, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, with a natural two there, plus one, that's a three. I don't think I know what they're loading onto this guard. Yeah, I'll say, like, you're you're trying to look, but this berserker keeps, like, swinging on you. And it's mm -hmm. really distracting. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to try and hit around this berserker, but I know I'm going to be firing a disadvantage to try and finish off mm -hmm. this hyenodon. So let's see what happens. Mm. Yeah, that's a natural five plus seven is 12. That's probably not going to do it. Yeah. No, your arrow flies wide and does not hit. Yeah. Next is the Berserker. Salome, did you hit him last turn? I sure did. That's true. Yeah, these wild roses are tearing open a wound in his side. He turns and is going to make his two attacks at you this time. Oof, okay. That is a 19 and a 14 to hit. The 19 will hit. Uh, yeah, he's he's gonna do nine points of damage. Listen, I'll get you back for it. Don't you worry. <laughs> Great. Next in the order is the null. I think the null attacked you, Solomon. The null did attack me last time. Is he gonna get me again? Yeah, he's gonna get you again. You little fuckers! I'm trying to save a smite. Yep, that's a nineteen to hit. Yeah, that'll hit. That's gonna be five points of damage. <laughs> We're still standing. <laughs> <laughs> How you feeling? I ain't doing great, but I just like to finish this thing. Great. Next in the order is the other knoll. That knoll is... No, it's Salome. Oh, okay. 
Salma, it's your turn. Well, I'm going to go try to finish this berserker. And uh, if I go down, any of y'all able to help me out? Uh, yeah, I, I can help out. We'll figure something out. All right, we'll find out. Huh. Okay, so I'm going to run up to the uh, berserker. I'm going to cast, I keep forgetting to do this. I'm going to cast Hexblade's Curse. Uh, so as a bonus action, uh, he's cursed for a minute. I get a plus two bonus to damage rolls. I crit on a 19 or 20, and I get four HP back if it dies. So fingers crossed. Okay. Um, that is going to be a uh, 21 to hit. That will hit. All right. And then uh, I'll, I'll tack on a Divine Smite on that as well. So that's three more D8. Plus seven. Okay. Now I actually have to think, count this. Now it's time for some math. <laughs> Puzzling out some math. We're going to add up some wait, numbers. Wait, 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 Robin, I can't. Hold on. <laughs> I can't think. I can't think do it at the same time. <laughs> I'm just bad at this. <laughs> wait, 15 plus five is 20 plus two for the dueling damage is 22 plus two from the Hexblade Curse is 24. 24 points of damage. Woof. <laughs> do I get him? This berserker goes from not bloodied to on death's door in a matter of seconds as you bring this blade down on him. Yeah, I think um, I yeah, I think as I like smite again, like you see this like spot Salome has been very nice. And I think you see this like uncharacteristic, like just rage building up in her as she like stabs back into the wound that she had already opened. And not even with thorns this time, just flowers start like growing in his insides. They're so pretty. And somehow more gross. Just all Gerber daisies. You catch a glimpse of these like vines snaking into his body and start like wrapping around whatever's in there. It's it's despicable. It's pretty gross. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Next is the knoll that attacked you, Stump. He's going to attack you again, just for fun. Sure. That's a 19 to hit. Yeah, that'll hit. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm, Stump's all right. He's had a day. He's gotten crimed, and then he, you know, got hit twice by this knoll. It's okay. It's just five points of slashing damage. Okay. You know, assault is also a crime, so you're really getting crimed right and left. Oh, so is a pepper. <laughs> Stump throws his uh, poison spray at Solomon after that comment. <laughs> Takes one point of damage from the glass and dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, use it as an improvised weapon to stab. <laughs> Great. Uh, Stump. Uh, yeah, how close am I to uh, the Berserker? You're you're close. You're within range that, like, you could run up and get him. Uh, you would take an opportunity attack. So I'm not 10 feet away, let's say? You could be 10 feet away. Yeah. Amazing. I'm going to throw a poison vial at him. <laughs> He's just hitting right and left. <laughs> Make a constitution right. saving throw. <laughs> okay. Oh poison spray. <laughs> I rolled another 13. Oh, yeah. And that's still a fail. That's going to be eight. <laughs> And poisoned. Don't worry about the poisoned. <laughs> because it is eight and he just collapses. Yes! Can I once again stare directly at the knoll that attacked me and then no look past it directly at the berserker? <laughs> and just stare into the knoll's eyes. Roll an intimidation check. And you know what? I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you advantage, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Thank you. It was necessary. Oh, that advantage came in handy. 18. Yeah. With an 18. <laughs> the berserker collapses and a couple of things happen at once. In the distance, you see the rest of the raiders jump into the cart and the hyena dons get moving and the cart rolls around 
the canyon wall and into a into a divide in the canyon wall and disappears. The gnolls that you're fighting, or the gnoll specifically stump that you're fighting, sees that happen and then sees you down his leader in one hit, and he turns tail and runs. Can I try to punch him with an opportunity attack? Yes. Just right in the back of the head. That's a ten. That misses. Yeah, that misses. You try and get a good swing in, but he he's he's running away. Um, the other null sees this happen, realizes he's the only one in the fight, and turns and runs too. And you are out of combat as these two take off after the cart. Ooh, that was a lot of blood. Um, sorry, y'all. That was just all real intense for a second. No, you know what, honey? We can sit down. We can chat out our feelings at another time. Right now, we got to follow them. I could track them. I got my skills, but we got to get on this now. As you say that, you hear it <sighs> coming from the storage car. Oh, yeah. Let's take a look. Yeah, I think we run over. In the storage car, uh, behind a couple crates, Salome, you recognize this person. Um, the other two Mm, Stump, you definitely don't. You recognize that this is the conductor that you saw on the platform uh, earlier today. Oh. He's not a pretty sight. Are they conscious? Barely. He, like, this guy unfortunately looks like nothing short of a wish spell is going to save this guy from crossing the river. Could we, could I use spare the dying, the cantrip, to stabilize Um, What would... Would, that would stabilize him? It says, uh, you touch a living creature that has zero hit points and the creature becomes stable. I'm assuming they're not de- undead or a construct. One thing I do want to preface is that, uh, like, healing in this game do it, like is not a miracle. Like, there there will be certain mm-hmm. points where people will be beyond healing. Okay. And so this this guy, like... He has some insides outside. Like he's mm. he's he's in a bad way. Um, and so I think Spare the Dying will give him a few more minutes. I'll say this. It won't bring him back from uh, like the, he's already failed his death saves. He's he's on his way out the door. But I think this will ease his transition. Great. Yeah, I I take a different vial off of my bandolier and give him a little bit of little potion and he he sort of coughs he says thank you friend of course anytime you got me next (sighs) yeah can i like walk over and just sit down next to him yeah i yeah i sit down next to him and then just trying to remember how my mom helped people through this transition Mm -hmm. um seeing that he's going to die just try to replicate that the best that i can um but first i guess if he's got a little extra time i'll just sit down and very softly ah there darling what what's your name (sighs) philip philip oh that's a real nice name how you feeling hey he he sort of makes eye contact with you stump and his gaze is a little blurry and he says feeling better now yeah i'm glad you know i hear i have it on good authority that crossing the river can actually be pretty painless as soon as it it starts 
I, uh, I sure hope so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to, to scare you, but do, do you think you could help us for a second? He, he sort of groans and goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Would you mind telling us what you saw? Hey, they took the crates. Jameson. What what was in there? Do you know what was in there? Fire powder. Five crates of fire powder. I said we couldn't move without a garrison to guard him, and they told us to go. I, I think you were right about that, sweetheart. Um, he says, and I die the fool now. <laughs> No, hey, you did you did everything you could, darling. You did everything you could, and you did a great job. And um, here's what I want you to do. And I just take his hand. Who's the most important person in the world to you? Well, that was my dad. I guess yeah? I'm, he might be waiting for me. I think he just might be. Well, Philip, I'd like you to close your eyes and just imagine a river out in front of you. Just like the one running through the Badlands. And I want you to look across it and, and see your daddy looking back at you. And just relax, and whenever you're ready, I, why don't... I think you should just try walking out toward him. And just keep it as simple as that. Keep his face in your mind, though. Don't lose that. You say that, and he nods, and... He closes his eyes, and... You... Feel the tension release in his hand. And then, something happens. You are sitting with this deceased halfling conductor, and you see the shadow that he casts on the wall behind him. And then that shadow grows. And it grows. Until it is a completely different figure outlined on the wall. This figure seems dressed in maybe a robe or a trench coat or something draping. They wear a long-brimmed hat. And as their head moves up, you see, even in this shadow, blazing blue eyes. You fall backward, and it blinks out of existence. Did y'all see that? Hayden and Stump. You didn't see that. Hmm. And that is where we're going to end our first session. No! Oh, it's spooky, no! It's scary, is it? I want to see Shadowman with the ghost hat. Come on! I don't want to see it by myself. <laughs> Let's look at it together. Thanks so much for listening to our first episode of Mage Hand High Five. Ooh, we did it. That was fun. Shout out to Jacob Kersner, our wonderful composer who created our theme song and all of the music that you heard throughout the episode. Shout out to Shane Smith, who designed our Mage Hand High Five logo, as well as the Badlands logo and cover art that you see on your podcast feed. Check out our website at magehandhighfive.com. Look for us on various social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're probably going to be more places pretty soon. Check us out. Look for us at Mage Hand High Five. Uh, Max, you had something you wanted to plug? 
Uh, yeah, I just want to give a big shout out and plug uh, my subclass that I'm using. It's from the Artificers of Ravnica supplement. Uh, it can be found on the DMs Guild website, and it's by Ned Turner. So shout out, Ned. Shout out to Ned. All right, everybody. We Like I said, we are a scrappy insurgency. We're just getting started. So you could help us so much if you go to your podcatcher of choice, throw a five-star review our way. Tell your friends, tell your foes, tell everybody you know, tell that random person on the street that you see every single day and you never talk to them, (laughs) you never reach out, but they need a new podcast in their lives. And how about they get their new third favorite podcast from us? Um, And please use the hashtag MHH5 when you do it, even when you talk to the random guy on the street. And hey, how about a high five?